2 Corinthians 4, verse 6. For God, who said, let light shine out of darkness, has shone in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. But we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that the surpassing power belongs to God and not to us. We are afflicted in every way, but not crushed, perplexed, but not driven to despair, persecuted, but not forsaken, struck down, but not destroyed, always carrying in the body the death of Jesus, so that the life of Jesus may also be manifested in our bodies. For we who live are always being given over to death for Jesus' sake, so that the life of Jesus also may be manifested in our mortal flesh. So death is at work in us, but life in you. Since we have the same spirit of faith, according to what has been written, I believed and so I spoke. We also believe and so we also speak. Knowing that he who raised the Lord Jesus will raise us also with Jesus and bring us with you into his presence. For it is all for your sake, so that as grace extends to more and more people, it may increase thanksgiving to the glory of God. This is God's word. Would you pray with me? Father, we open up the scriptures this morning, believing that in them we find life. That all of the scriptures point us to your son, Jesus. God, we ask this morning that you would shine the light of your word into our hearts. God, that you would help us to come before you, God, asking that you would work in those places of our life that are hard for us to acknowledge, scary for us to talk about. God, we ask that you would have your way in us today through your word. God, we confess as your people that what our souls need more than anything else is to be with you and to hear from you. And so, God, we commit our our attention to you, our hearts to you, and we ask that you would speak powerfully to us through your word this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Why is following Jesus so hard? Can we just admit for a moment, that following Jesus is not easy. We often come into the Christian life expecting peace and feel blindsided when we realize that we've stepped into a battlefield. We often talk about the blessings of Jesus, and there are many. But we rarely talk about the toll that it takes on us, the cost of following him. And when scripture is correctly understood, it's clear that when Jesus calls us to follow him, it's going to cost us something. It may cost our reputation with people that we admire. It may cost us relationally with people that we care about. It may cost us certain opportunities in life. It will cost us emotionally, financially, and for many Christians, it even costs them their lives. If you're going to follow Jesus in all of life, it's going to cost you something. 
And if you don't consider the cost of following Jesus pretty early on in your walk with him, when times get hard, you will often feel like either you're a failure or that he is a failure, and sometimes both. And the Apostle Paul had counted the cost of following Jesus. In 2 Corinthians, he's opening his heart to us. I love this book of 2 Corinthians. It's Paul's most heartfelt letter. He spent the first book of Corinthians just filleting the church for their sin and calling them out on all of these things. And now in this second letter to them, he's really exposing his pastor's heart for them and his love for them. He's been pouring his heart out for the people in this church. He had lived with them for a year and a half, teaching them, loving them, serving them, investing in them. And yet his pastoral care and leadership has been met with unending attacks, malicious criticism, and on top of that, suspicion of his legitimacy as an apostle because he appeared to suffer too much to be a real apostle. In chapter 12 of 2 Corinthians, Paul makes a comment that has always stuck with me as I've considered the cost of serving Jesus. He says to the church, the more that I love you, I feel the less I am loved. That's real. And Paul's experience isn't unique to people in vocational ministry. It applies to all of us. If you're following Jesus, You are in ministry. So why is following Jesus so hard? I want to shed some light on that question this morning. Today, I want us to count the cost of following Jesus. And then I want to show you why it's worth it. And so first, what are the costs of following Jesus? I want to give you three. And the first one is this. The first cost of following Jesus is it's going to cost your ego. In verse 7, Paul describes the follower of Jesus as a vessel containing a great treasure. He says, but we have this treasure in jars of clay. Now in verse 6, Paul told us what that treasure is. It's the knowledge of God in the face of Jesus Christ. It's the very power and presence of God that dwells inside every follower of Jesus. If you've trusted in Christ, You have Christ in you, and you are carrying this treasure with you everywhere that you go. The question is, why would God place this treasure in a jar of clay? Well, in the ancient world, before there were banks and vaults, people would often put their treasure in a vessel and bury it in the ground for safekeeping. But in those days, typically, the more valuable the treasure the more valuable and strong the vessel would be that would contain it. But Paul says, the treasure of God's power and presence dwells in jars of clay. You and I are jars of clay. It's not the most flattering description of us as human beings, but it's accurate. Like clay pots, we are made of the earth. We have limited capacity. We are fragile. We break easily. We chip and we crack. We don't like to think of ourselves that way. We like to think of ourselves as strong, not weak. The other night I was watching a documentary on grizzly bears. 
just something I like to do in my spare time. And um, the narrator said something that just blew me away. He said, a grizzly bear is so strong that with one swipe of its paw, it can break the back of an elk. And I remember hearing that and just feeling, whoa. I felt so weak when I heard that. If you've ever spent time in nature, in the mountains, or in the ocean, you realize just how vulnerable we are as human beings. Or if you're a parent, you've ever stepped on a Lego on the kitchen floor at two in the morning, no shoes on. Listen, no one can withstand that kind of pain. But we're not just weak physically. How often can we feel completely shaken by the words of another person? Or to be completely overwhelmed by the responsibilities of life? We're pretty fragile. And what makes life so difficult at times is we're constantly being confronted by the limits of our own strength. Physically, emotionally, spiritually. We like to think that we are so much stronger than we actually are. We want to feel powerful. We want to feel self-sufficient. We want to feel like we are enough in and of ourselves. We despise weakness. That's why most of us either feel threatened or attracted to powerful people. But growth and maturity as a follower of Jesus doesn't come through trying to be stronger. It comes through acknowledging our weakness before God and depending more and more on his power to strengthen us. Following Jesus will crush your ego. It will humble you. It's humbling to be confronted by our limitations. It's humbling to find that we aren't as strong as we thought we were. You know, I never pray for humility because I'm terrified that God is going to answer that prayer. And humility only comes through humiliation. Realizing that we bring nothing to the table but our own brokenness. Galatians 6.3, Paul says, If anyone thinks he is something when he is nothing, he deceives himself. I talked to a new Christian once who told me that they thought they knew the reason that God had saved them, saved him. He goes, I, I think I know why God saved me because I, I have a lot to offer the church. And I think I know what he was trying to say, but inside I was thinking, okay, bro. Well, I mean, we'll see, maybe, maybe you do. But we wanna feel like God chose us because of something special in us. And God and his patience has a way of working all of that out of us over time, but it's going to hurt. We are jars of clay. We are cracked pots. We are broken. But Jesus loves broken people. Jesus pursues the weak. We might despise weakness in ourselves. Our brokenness might repel people, but Jesus sees us in our need and he draws near. And Paul says, we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that the surpassing power belongs to God and not to us. You see, the sooner we acknowledge our weakness, the sooner we become a vessel that God can use. We often see our weakness and insufficiency as a hindrance to being used by God, but God uses our weaknesses 
as a way to put his power on full display. So following Jesus will cost you your ego. The second reason why following Jesus is so hard is following Jesus is going to require sacrifice. A disciple of Jesus must learn to get comfortable being uncomfortable. Following Jesus isn't comfortable because doing ministry with Jesus is difficult and giving your life to serve people is hard. And Paul had experienced this firsthand. He had planted this church in Corinth. He had lived with them for a year and a half, caring for them and teaching them and raising them up and investing his life in them and pouring into them. Only to have many of them question his authenticity as an apostle because he appeared to suffer. The truth is, following Jesus is hard because we're giving our lives away to people who can be difficult to love. People you serve will hurt you. People you serve and serve with will betray you. You will invest your time and resources into people who may end up resenting you for it. That doesn't feel good. You may have to turn down certain job opportunities to follow Jesus. If you're single, you may have to sacrifice certain relationship options to follow Jesus. You will have to do unseen work where you feel unnoticed and overlooked for the sake of Jesus. And I just want to take a moment here to point out and highlight our amazing volunteers who come into this place every Sunday. So much of what they do is unseen by most of you. And they do what they do so that we can all worship like this together. I just want to say thank you. We see you and we give glory and thanks to God for you. Jesus calls us to a life of amazing adventure and deep joy, but he calls us to make sacrifices along the way. And we just need to be honest about that. Almost every message that we hear in our culture today, it teaches us to resist sacrifice. We're told to maximize our comfort, play it safe, acquire things, buy a house, maybe two, retire early, rent an RV, travel around the country collecting city-themed Starbucks mugs. But this is the best that life in America has to offer you. And often the mission of Jesus is overshadowed by our desires for comfort and safety. And listen, none of those things are wrong in and of themselves. But if our pursuit of a comfortable and easy life is what drives us, we will always resist sacrifice and miss out on powerful ways that God wants to use us. Paul had counted the cost. In verses 8 and 9, Paul talks about being afflicted, being perplexed, being persecuted, feeling struck down. That word affliction means to suffer. Paul knew suffering. Paul experienced deep suffering. That word perplexed could be translated plagued with doubt or anxiety. Persecuted means to be marginalized, attacked, discriminated against because of your faith. 
to be struck down. This is an interesting word in speaking of depression. The Apostle Paul knew what it was to be depressed. But Paul was willing to lay down his life for the sake of God's people. And he would have never been able to count that cost if he hadn't understood the third reason why following Jesus is so hard. Following Jesus is hard because it requires a daily death to self. Following Jesus isn't only a sacrifice of comfort, it's a sacrifice of the self. Dying to self means no longer living for ourselves, but for the good of others and the glory of God. Listen to how Paul describes it in verses 10 through 12. He says, we're always carrying in the body the death of Jesus, so that the life of Jesus may also be manifested in our bodies. For we who live are always being given over to death for Jesus' sake, so that the life of Jesus also may be manifested in our mortal flesh. So death is at work in us, but life in you. Paul says we're always carrying in the body the death of Jesus. That means as followers of Jesus, we are always carrying in our bodies the self-giving life and death of Jesus. Jesus' life was marked by sacrifice. He lived with a laser-like focus towards the cross where he would give his life for us. Nothing could deter him. He came to die for sinners, to offer himself up as a sheep to the slaughter, the Lamb of God who would take away the sins of the world. The greatest act of love the world has ever seen was accomplished by Jesus laying down his life for his church. And Paul says that you and I carry that in our bodies. As we seek to follow Jesus in this world, all of our service, all of our giving, all of our loving never looks more like Jesus than when we're willing to lay down our lives for the good of others. Jesus said that if anyone wanted to be his disciple, he needs to pick up his cross daily and follow him. Picking up the cross is to assume a life of dying to self. So much of the Christian life hinges on death to self. Because Jesus is seen in us when we die to our desires for the sake of others. I think about marriage and parenting. What makes marriage and parenting so hard? It's a constant expression of death to self. There's things that Jesus wants to do in our hearts and in our lives that he simply cannot do in us until we are put in a situation where we have to completely give ourselves away for the good of another person, to lay down our preferences, to lay down our desires. It was amazing for me as a new father to see how my wife would be willing to just get up at all hours of the night to attend to our newborn baby. I'd never experienced that kind of dying to self in my life. There's a beautiful picture of it. Or when people are willing to give of their time and their resources to serve the marginalized and the poor. Or just sitting with people in their pain. There's all these real life experiences and expressions 
of what it looks like as a disciple of Jesus to die to ourselves. Colossians 3.3 says this, For you have died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. Here's the question that we all need to grapple with as followers of Jesus. Am I willing to be hidden so that Christ may be seen? Or will I hide Christ so that I can shine brighter? Will we count the cost of what Jesus is wanting to kill in us so that he may be seen clearer? Our ego, our comfort, our greed, our desperate need for the approval of others, our dreams or aspirations that don't align with his plans for us. Diedrich Bonhoeffer said in The Cost of Discipleship, when Jesus bids a man, he bids him come and die. And in Paul's letter to the Romans in chapter 12, Paul would say, in light of everything that Jesus has done for you, the only reasonable response is to offer ourselves back to God as a living sacrifice. Since Jesus has given himself to us through death, we can give ourselves to him with our life. And dying to self is, it's both an event and a process. Let me explain what I mean. By faith, we have been united to Jesus in his death and resurrection. So Pastor Adam was talking about baptism is all about that we are united to Christ by faith in his death and resurrection. And so when you believed in Jesus, because of Jesus's death, you died with him. Because he rose, you have been raised with him. And now he calls us to live like that's true every day and everywhere we go. To love those who are hard to love. To put to death self-comfort and self-preservation to show forgiveness to those who've hurt you, to die to your right, to hold a grudge or to hang on to bitterness. We have to choose daily to die to all of that so that Christ may be seen clearer through us. Jesus said in John chapter 12, verse 24, truly, truly, I say to you, unless a grain of wheat falls into the earth and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, it bears much fruit. When we will allow God to plant us, which means the death of us, our plans, our comforts, the result is fruit. The result is life to others. And this is what Paul meant when he says, so death is at work in us, but life in you. That we must die daily for the sake of love. And this isn't easy. This is really hard. We are weak. We are broken. We are jars of clay. We are a mess. But we are God's mess. And we are his chosen vessels to show that the surpassing power belongs to him and not to us. So following Jesus is hard. We've talked about some of those costs of following Jesus. But now I want to tell you why it's absolutely worth it. It's worth it because every sacrifice we make for Christ in this life will be redeemed in glory. This is what, uh, this is what really kept Paul going. 
Verse 14, he says, knowing that he who raised the Lord Jesus will raise us also with Jesus and bring us with you into his presence. Sometimes we have to die to certain desires so that they can be gloriously reborn in his image. Listen, whatever sacrifices that you make to follow Jesus in this life, you can be sure that God has something so much better. God has something better. You may not understand it. You may not see it right away. You might even not realize what God has done until much later in life or in glory. But God sees everything that you have surrendered for him. He knows what you've given. He knows the toll that it's taken on you. He knows what you need. And I'm confident that we will look back one day on the things in our life that felt like were sacrifices at the time, only to realize that God was saving us from something so much worse and where we ended up was so much better. I love the story of Jesus feeding the 5,000. You remember that story? Everyone had eaten and, and he tells his disciples to go around and to pick up all of the leftovers. That part always has stuck out to me. Sometimes we worry, what if God doesn't give me a better job? What if God doesn't give me the spouse or the family that I want? What if God doesn't give me the life that I desire? And we worry that he's wasting time. We worry that he might be wasting our lives. We don't want our lives to feel wasted. But if Jesus wasn't willing to waste leftover food, how much more confident can we be that he will never waste a human life? Following Jesus is worth it. Secondly, because God's power shines through our weakness. It's not until we embrace the reality that our lives are a vessel for Christ to shine through that we can embrace our weakness and see it as a gift. Following Jesus is a presentation. It's not a performance. It's a presentation of Christ's power working through our weakness. We are not the treasure. We are the vessel. Jesus is the treasure. And we only discover a meaningful and worthy life when we allow ourselves to be brought low so that Christ might be lifted high. God counts you worthy to carry his greatest treasure. Just think about that for a moment. God has counted you worthy to carry his greatest treasure. Often we like to think that we need to be useful to God by being impressive. That we need to be strong to be useful. That we need to be sufficient in and of ourselves. It reminds me of an experience I had about five or six years ago. I started training Brazilian jiu-jitsu for the first time. And I'd been training for like a month maybe. And my dad had come into town and he wanted to come watch a class. And so I said, yeah, come along. And so my dad came and he sat there and watched, and I was paired up with a young female opponent. I had about 50 pounds on this young lady. 
And uh, what I didn't realize is that she was a world champion purple belt. And we started, we started sparring a little bit, and I was getting frustrated because I couldn't get a good position on her. And so I resorted to using my strength. And she must have felt my intensity pick up. And before I know it, she had used my strength against me, swept me, and caught my arm in a joint lock. And I had to tap. <laughs> and I remember my dad leaned over to me after that class, and he whispered in my ear. He said, son. That young lady kicked your butt. (laughs) She was small and not very strong. I judged her vessel. But she had a treasure inside that I knew nothing about. And I immediately thought, I need to have this superpower. If we will embrace our weakness, God will show us what he can do with a jar of clay. God demonstrates his strength by meeting us in our weakness with power. Paul says in verse 8, Though we are afflicted in every way, we are not crushed. Though we are perplexed, we are not driven to despair. Though we are persecuted, we are not forsaken. Though we are struck down, we are not destroyed. Through his strength, you will endure. Lastly, following Jesus is worth it because discipleship fuels doxology. I'll explain that in a moment. But look again at verse 15. In verse 15, Paul says, for it is all for your sake so that as grace extends to more and more people, it may increase thanksgiving to the glory of God. Doxology is just another word for worship. Jesus calls the life of following him a life of discipleship. And the idea here is that as we make disciples, the worship of God is increased. I pray that we can all think about discipleship like that. That as we make disciples, as we teach and as we serve and as we invest in people, we are increasing the worship of God through them. It's a beautiful picture. Living sacrificially for the sake of others is an act of worship to God. And to worship is to give ourselves wholly and completely to God. I had a friend once who I invited to church and he said, I don't want to go to church with you. I said, why not? He said, because I know God is after my money. And I said to him, it's actually much worse than that. He wants all of you. We often associate worship as something that we do for God. But Paul says, this is all for your sake. To worship God is to align our lives with ultimate reality and our greatest good. We were made for worship. We were made to worship the one who has created us and given everything to us. And every single human being is a worshiper. We all ascribe ultimate value and worth to something. And the Bible says that when we ascribe that ultimate value and worth to anything other than God, we will always end up with our heart broken because nothing else can love us back in the way 
that Jesus has. And so to worship God is to align our lives with that ultimate reality. And it's for our greatest good. When we offer up our lives to God as an act of worship, we find our true purpose and our deepest joy. It's by looking to Christ, beholding his glory, that we find our purpose and open ourselves up to receive his love for us. And so as we close this morning, I want to give you this challenge. When you think about what's ahead of you, seeing Jesus, live your life today in a way that you are going to be glad that you have lived. Another way of saying that is, live the life you're going to one day wish you had lived. Zealous for God, responding to his greatness, responding to his grace, and then zealous to see other people come to know him as you experience the power of God at work in you so that those outside may come to know your God. It's so worth it. Following Jesus is worth the toll that it takes because Jesus has already paid the ultimate cost. And so this morning, as we respond in worship, I want us to count the cost of following Jesus together. I want us to embrace our weakness before him and then lay those things back at his feet, believing that he does not look upon our weakness with pity or with shame, but he sees us in our weakness and he's drawn to it because it's in our weakness that his greatness and his power shines most bright. And so let's respond to him this morning in this. And let's see what God can do with a jar of clay. Let's pray. Father, we confess this morning that we are jars of clay. God, that we are fragile, that we are not as strong as we'd like to be. God, that we can't do it on our own. But to realize, Lord, that the greatest treasure, both in heaven and on earth, has been placed inside of us as something to carry with us in this world. It's so humbling, God, that the God of the universe, the creator of all things, the redeemer of our souls, has placed the treasure of his presence and power in cracked pots and broken vessels. God, help us to embrace our weakness this morning, to acknowledge it before you, not to despise it, not to hide it, not to cover it up, but to bring it to you knowing that it's exactly in that place of vulnerability and weakness that you want to shine the brightest. So Jesus, we thank you that you have put this treasure inside of us by your spirit. 
God, help us to carry this with us wherever we go. Help us to reflect your goodness and your power in every aspect and every area of our lives. Jesus, we invite you into this place to work now among your spirit as we respond in song and in taking the Lord's Supper and in prayer. God, we just want to surrender. We want to ask that you would help us to view our weaknesses in a new way. As something that you want to use to put your goodness and power on display. So Jesus, we thank you that you are with us now. Help us to respond to you in faith and repentance. And we pray that you would send us out from this place with hope and with joy, knowing that you are with us in our weakness and that you love us. It's in Jesus' name we pray, amen.